Welcome to the She Do That podcast. My name is Hannah Lau Walker, coordinator at She Do That, and I'll be hosting our discussion today. This episode will be a little different as we'll be having an open chat with a few women from the industry about our recently released salary report. Just a little background on the report itself. Back in May 2022, we shared the animation and VFX rates guide and had a huge response from our community. We were hearing that the numbers didn't match our community's experience, so in light of this, we thought it'd be helpful to do a little bit of our own research. We put together our own survey and asked people to fill it in. Once all the information was collected, we released our report in early January this year. We've had some great feedback so far, but thought it was worth chatting through some of our findings with women in the industry to get a broader perspective on it. So today we'll be chatting with a studio founder, a producer, and some wonderful animators about the report. Now, if you've not yet read the salary report in full, you can check it out on the She Drew That website in our resources section. We'll be talking generally about the findings and then going through the recommendations one by one. So it's not totally necessary to read it through beforehand, but I would recommend checking out those numbers. Great. Now let's get started with the episode. Thank you all so much for being here. Um, yeah, it's amazing to get to talk to you about the salary report. Uh, I think hopefully now a lot of people have read it. Um, but yeah, I thought it'd be worthwhile actually chatting about it with some people, different people from the industry, um, just because, yeah, maybe like looking at a report kind of it doesn't, it might not be as meaningful. Um, so maybe, yeah, this discussion will help kind of bring out some more ideas about it. So yeah, welcome ladies. And do you want to go around and introduce yourself so everyone knows who's uh, chatting? Um, hi, I'm Catherine. I've worked in the creative industry for about 20 years and specifically animation for five years. I'm based in Brighton and co-founded Formplay, a 2D studio specialising in commercial character-based animations. Hi everyone, I am Melissa Belgill. I am a senior animation producer. I've been in the industry for about 20 years and been producing jobs for about 16 of those years. 2D and 3D, um, short form and series, uh, but mainly commercial work, um, working in lovely London studios. Uh, hi everyone, my name's Danny Abram. I'm a 2D animator and I've been working in the children's TV and feature film industries in the UK for about 15 years, largely just aimed at a children's audience. Hi, I'm Maki. Uh, I've been in the industry since 2000, just working in 2D animation, commercial animation actually. Hi, I'm Alina. I've been in the industry for 12 years. I've done TV series, advertising, lately mainly feature film and 3D animation in London. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Um, well, yeah, thank you again for being here. And uh, yeah, we're chatting about the salary report. Um, and actually, it came about kind of quite organically through a conversation we had during our last like mentor session. Actually, Catherine was one of the mentors there. So I don't know whether you remember much about how that came about. Yeah, it was um, it was really interesting how it how it emerged, because obviously in the, in the meetings and catch ups that we had with the mentors, um, it became clear that um, from the mentee experiences, um, the common thread was around this ambiguity over fees and day rates and just being paid your worth. Um, and 
it sparked a conversation around how we can help to demystify what is involved in the roles um, of you know various sectors within animation, um, but also how that impacts on on the pay and what what you should be um, what are the sort of market values market rates that you should be aiming for. Yeah, I think um, yeah having like especially because some of our mentees were you know fresh grads and stuff. I think it was hard for them knowing anything about rates and there doesn't seem to be that much information out there but then I think from that discussion I found the um, an, what's it, animation and VFX rates card um, and so posted that on our Instagram and our Slack channels and then a lot of people responded saying that that was like nowhere near their experience in terms of rates and yeah Alina was actually in on that discussion so it'd be interesting to yeah, hear, hear where that kind of came about. Yeah, uh, I was actually. So I'm not like a super active member in the union, but I kind of saw that they were advertising for this. Hey, we're having this discussion. And I generally just talk a lot to people about salaries and money because I think that's what we have to do. So I think it was a very like organic just chat, like what's everyone's experiences? Everyone's Most people have been in London for a while. So you're kind of like, this is what we keep hearing, what people are saying. Um, there was also, of course, the issue of even within just, let's say, the visual effects branch or even just within animation, there's so many different departments. And then it depends if you work on a film or a series, like the the pay is so different just from what your role is, what, what you're working on, how long you're working on something. So there was definitely kind of a feel of like, this is going to be really hard to just generalize for everyone working in animation and visual effects because it's basically like a few different industries or I mean the general problem is that it's unregulated right that there is no actual union because if there was then or more successful or more people would be in the union then there would be a more like this is what you need to pay people end of story uh, kind of situation so I think this is what we try to come up I can say a lot of the the freelance kind of guidance for me adds up mostly what my experience is with 3D animation and I know that in visual effects it's very dependent where you end up like you can make loads of money or very little so even just kind of like putting that into like I don't know this tiny little table of like nine numbers was quite tricky I have to say it's only a guidance like a rate card is actually when it's done when it's regulated and you go to someone and say well if you want to have our animators that's how much they cost and there's no like you know that's just what it is that's just the price so this is kind of I know that the incentive of doing this guidance was to like just start somewhere <laughs> with this industry kind of to get people at least asking for the same amount of money and of course it was clear that's probably gonna people have different experiences and I think actually in 2D it's also I guess that's what you got to hear probably quite different as well the numbers <laughs> So yeah, the thing was like, let's just get it out there and see what happens. Uh, to me, the numbers are not super far off. They are definitely on the high end, I would say, because but we don't want people to work for too little, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, of course. And I think it's like, like you're saying, so it's incredibly hard to to create a rates card, like like with such diversity. And then and then I think also Mel, you were saying on the on LinkedIn, like there's there's not enough categories. Like it's like, what does what do, what do those things mean? But obviously it's a great starting point. I don't know if you had any, yeah, if you wanted to say anything. Yeah, I think I when I saw the rate, when I saw that rate card, I was really quite shocked at some of the numbers. 
obviously, you know, if you're working on multi-million pound uh, feature films that have got massive VFX departments where the expectations are that the VFX people will be doing ridiculous shifts and, you know, never seeing daylight for three months. I, I you know, I get the high rates, but putting that in a bank with um, 2D specifically, because I think as well, you know, working on a 2D project for me, my budget differs so greatly from a CG character project for example or even a non-cg character project which will then be a middle budget you know there's there's such a discrepancy from what we're given from agencies for example and what we have to work from so yeah I got I got quite a shock because I, I suppose I was worried I was worried that people would look at that and their expectations would be too high and they would price themselves out of jobs um because we will always go to animators that we love the work with and go look guys this is a lower budget project are you happy to change your rate um we will always do that but you wouldn't want to ask someone to come in 100 pounds a day under their rate you know that's just a bit rude I think so um that's what I struggled with with that table was that I I don't want people's expectations to feel you know to feel them out of the or take them out of the field of it all but on the other hand as well, you know, I, I do want to say that if we've got the money there, I have often said to like juniors, I'll pay a bit more. You know, we've got the money there. Let's do that. So, you know, I suppose it's a balance for the production side as well to make people feel their worth, which is important. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I think, so valuable having producers being able to guide juniors as well. Like I definitely had people when I was starting out saying oh you should be charging a bit more actually or like you know and having like being able to have open conversations about that I think is really helpful um yeah amazing okay great well no it's good to yeah get get everyone's thoughts on the rates card I don't know whether anyone else had anything they wanted to say on the animation and VFX union rates card can I can I talk about it a little bit because as someone from outside of London I've never worked in London and I mean 2D TV animation and series animation. This rate card broke me. I was one of those people who was commented on your post like, uh, what? And I joined the union off the back of it, so I don't have much experience with the union and we can talk about it later on if you want, Hannah, like you've mentioned, but um, I joined it because of this rate card and how the... I... (laughs) I'm worried that it's done more damage than good and so I'm so glad that she drew that has done their own research and got more people to um, give in their rates as well so thank thanks for that and thanks for having this discussion um yeah wow so the I've been working for 15 years and I absolutely adore my job and I'm I'm on the bottom end of like every <laughs> every survey that comes out and I don't know whether this is because like I don't work in London but I've worked for London companies so like I don't know my worth plummeted I also went um for a mortgage application as well around the same time and they'd done like because I'm freelance and self-employed they had to do it based on like an average earnings over the last three years or so and that came out at like 21k and so this happened around the same time as the rate card came out. And I was like, well, what do I do now? What the hell do I do? Like, I'm clearly, clearly feeling very underpaid and not paid my worth. But the using those numbers is not is also not 
viable. Like I cannot go to a studio and say, pay me £350 a day because I've got 15 years experience and I'm fast. Like it, it doesn't work over here. <laughs> and and I've worked for Irish studios as well. And, and I, without, without like naming names, it's nowhere near, nowhere. And it's a fight. I feel like I have to fight to be paid what the union is saying a child would be paid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it, it hurt my feelings. It hurt. <laughs> like, but it did cause me to join the union. So maybe, you know, I don't know. Like, that's what I just wanted to add was just like, I was I was gutted. There was a lot of wording on their website as well that really hurt me because it was like in bold letters saying like, you shouldn't be undercutting these. Like, try not to be paid less than your peers because like we need to rise like raise everyone and I'm like this does not work though like I I have to pay my mortgage <laughs> so yeah ouch I wish the wording could have been a little bit more um encouraging rather than yelling at us lot I feel like it should be flipped like yell at the studios do you know what I mean yeah there's a lot of onus on you and that's a lot of pressure when I think as well your rate is so tight it's like very personal I think you know it's like you you you're giving up your skills and going please please say that I'm worth this amount I'm asking for and then yeah if you're shot down for that that hurts and that's tough (laughs) and it's like so yeah I I, yeah the wording definitely could be more supportive the fact that they've done this and that's sparked a conversation and now we've been able to generate something like this I think you know is helpful um so hopefully is some good will come out of it. But yeah, I think it's like having a broader perspective on those numbers. Like, you know, you and Mel were saying like, and actually Alina was saying like, it's so, the industry is so broad to try and like define it in those nine numbers is is tough, especially when you want people to be able to, you know, feel confident enough to go for those higher numbers. But yeah, did anyone else have any thoughts on the rates card? I just wondered, Danny, if you'd seen the Salty animation um, sort of survey um, that had been put out and whether you find sort of more generic um, surveys that people just input directly more valuable? Um, Because obviously they're direct to the individual freelancers or, you know, salaried. Yeah, and it's getting to more people. So obviously it's going to have like way more data to like take an average from. I... Oh, I did look at it when they first released it, but I can't remember a single number on it. So I'm going to say I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've completely forgotten about it. I think the salty one, it, <laughs> it's an amazing spreadsheet, but it's so, there's so many numbers that I was, you know, you're just scrolling for ages. Like, I, just, I can't like absorb this I don't know what this means. Mm, <laughs> like, it's overwhelming. Um, it's yeah, condensing. overwhelming. Like, oh, it's such a, I, I know I'm, I'm aware I'm asking for a rate card like so, like dumb it down so it's only nine numbers so I know what I should be paid but then when they did do a rate card I was like that's not my experience <laughs> it's okay I admit it's hard it's gonna be hard it's yeah it's gonna be a challenge but it's good to yeah start talking about it and yeah figuring out how to build on what they've already created um can I say the salty sheet had quite the impact there were quite a lot of studios here in London that got in trouble where people were just talking about, hmm, did you see everyone realize this studio pays very little, for example? So it definitely made like a round. You would just randomly meet up in the pub and people were like, no, oh, did you hear? And everyone found out finally. And it's like, 
ooh, this is good. This is, you know, kind of, that was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, I think also that's one of these issues when this guidance card was posted is that they posted it someone read it and wherever for people to discuss, but then there's people from America like, oh, this is very low for what we get. And it's like, can we compare America to the UK? Can we even compare London rates to, you know, Ireland rates? Like, of course we can. So it's just, I guess it should have been way more detailed. Also, I guess we can compare to the visual effects very well, <laughs> right? But I even think, I mean, it's just, it's just so huge. Like all the, all the studios that I've worked for are kind of working backwards from the budgets that they're given. So we start off, we know what margin we have to hit and then we will spend the rest. We will make sure that that money goes into making something that's really lovely and good. You know, you want to produce the best stuff. So I, I feel like I'm on the other side here trying to defend every every production house in the world. Um, but so I, I don't, I, I really don't want people to feel like they're being um, done over at all. You know, it's like, we will do our best for you. I think, you know, obviously there's, there's, I'm sure there are some production companies that will try and, you know, make the best amount of money that they can and they don't care about the people who work for them. I've been lucky enough not to work with those studios. But for example, series work, Danny, that you're, you're working on, the budgets are so much smaller than commercials, so much smaller. And so we, we have to work backwards from that point. And, I'd, and But I don't think you should be undervalued for that. So don't get me wrong on that. But, you know, we are working within parameters that are given to to us as well. So that's just something. I wonder how big an effect streaming series as well has had on our rates over here because I can't help but feeling like it's all going backwards and I haven't got any data to back that up. It's just how I feel from like when I have a look, like if I think about what I earned 10 years ago and then what I'm earning now and how much it costs to live on earth. <laughs> like, And the... The latest like tr- like trend is like where my money is coming from is like now it's streamers instead of like broadcast TV broadcast series like it, it just feels like that's had an impact. I've got no data or evidence, but it feels like it's Netflix's fault. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's true, but it's true. I've got a friend who works for the BBC in the children's department, and she said that their biggest competitor are themselves because people are just rewatching children's series again and again and so they're not getting any new stuff commissioned because people just aren't watching it so you know if they can watch Mr Tumble on repeat they will and then you know no more Mr Tumble gets made I mean I've made that up I don't know if that's true about Mr Tumble but you know it's like yeah she said the biggest competitors are themselves so I'm sure it does have an impact wow I really didn't even think about that well, that's good to know <laughs> that we are all our worst, own worst enemies. <laughs> We're all doomed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that this discussion is leaving on a positive note and goodbye. Um, but okay, great. Well, yeah, it'd be good to sort of chat about the um, She Drew That um, Salary Report um, just to see what you guys thought about our findings. Again, just to reiterate that our sample was very small. Um, so we, so I think, yeah, take everything with that in mind but I think we did find some um we did get, gain some good insights I think but um yeah does anyone have any general thoughts about the findings like um I mean Danny did this kind of reflect your experience or it, was it, it largely confirmed the the same feelings that the um the AVU uh the animation VFX union rate card did like I'm 
it, it definitely it, like I looked at it and that definitely felt a bit like should I move to London <laughs> um but I, but it was better though it was like like so much better like the numbers was like near like way more nearer to what I was expecting or or I can f- I feel like I could aim for this like the numbers that have come out on the studio that's um like if you did a salary card I feel like I could aim for that like that is something I can aim for whereas when on on the Avu card where it says like aim for this I was like uh, I don't know what I'm gonna have to do to, to aim there like that's just not it's so out of reach so um the she do that did feel attainable and I wonder if that's just like the next time you did it if you got a bigger sample size I don't know why people didn't fill it in because we're, I, 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 everyone I speak to we're all gagging to talk about money or it feels like we are the amount of times I've had conversations in toilets about money I just I thought like everyone would fill this in <laughs> do you know what I mean I've so, got like, way maybe... more questions now <laughs> <laughs> I'm always in a toilet somewhere where you talk about money <laughs> um, what was I saying yeah so the sample size is surprising to me as well, but maybe next time, now that we've we've all seen some numbers and we've all seen like how helpful it can be to um, uh, have all this collected, maybe there'll be more, and it'll it'll slowly get more towards what I'm what I'm seeing over here. Like uh, just for context, because um, I haven't said it, I'm over by I'm I'm based in South Wales, but I've worked in like Bristol, Manchester, and in Ireland a lot. So those are like my main hubs of of work. So definitely not London. And sometimes I've had. Uh, like a sweet gig from a London studio and even that doesn't seem to tip me over into like what I'm seeing on the rate card either so I'm like it's in like region is interesting to me really interesting um but yeah definitely more aspirational Hannah thank you yeah <laughs> like I mean, to put it together <laughs> it made me feel a little bit better about myself <laughs> no well at least that feels yeah I mean I, I hopefully if we do get like a bigger sample size, bigger sample size, we can also be more specific about t- like, you know, TV shows and things like that and and try and expand it. I mean, Mackie, for you being based in London, how did the numbers feel? Were they? Um, I've never worked on TV series, but I sometimes get emails um, asking if I want to be working on TV series. And I'm always surprised how low the rate <laughs> is. And this is London Studios. Great. And I can't believe animators are being paid that for you know weekly and I think their sort of reasoning is partially because it's it's a really long length job so it's secure and some people like that security and then the rate goes down but overall you're earning you know nice amount of money sort of thing but I think the rate is one of the big reason I've never done tv series because you can sort of earn the same sort of amount of money in probably a third of the time or maybe sometimes you know half the time third time and then if I'm not working I can do my own stuff you know in the meantime yeah I I think London studios too for tv series Danny I think they do pay quite low but if you ever get a call about commercial work from a London studio just up your rate you will get it <laughs> I'll call you back really, yeah, yeah just call me tell me the studio and I'll say they you know they'll pay you this much <laughs> so did the did the rate card come anywhere close to your findings like that is that um, um more close I think to what the, you the FX one that you were talking earlier I think that was really really high I don't get paid that sort of rate either um, but the she drew that one, I think is kind of right. So yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> um, but how about you, Lily? I mean, you've worked all over. So how how did the um, 
the findings from the she do that report um sit with you yeah i i mean i look at them and i thought oh man they're seniors that take like what a hundred something per day uh, per you know like that's not okay like i don't know how people live from that money in london anyways um and i also i feel oh my god i mean we all know the struggle of trying to negotiate more money and they just say no and i mean to melissa's point also like if you work in visual effects and animation there's lots of people that take advantage and get paid way more and they actually really you know try like you actually get fluffed over quite a lot so i think these like i mean luckily there are people like you that exist that try to make nice art with like fair pay and you know try and distribute the budget fairly but i think we have this like you always have to ask for we always have to ask for way more because they will give it to you eventually and yeah tv in london is so I don't know how people live from that money, even if they've been their, their lead animators and they're making, like, I'm not lying, they're making half of what I'm making. And it's it's so bad because TV series, like Melissa was saying, you know, people re-watch them all the time and it's so loved. Whereas commercials, people just watch it or they might not even watch it and we're paid so much more. And it's it's so unfair, isn't it? All these really you know, hit TV series, the animators just aren't paid enough. And they make so much money from, you know, all the merchandise and things. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier, like the, the what Melissa was saying, the budget that's given basically has to be higher. And I think that can only work if they realize they cannot produce something for this money anymore. And that only happens if people are more expensive. And that's also kind of the point of a union is to be stronger in numbers because all of us struggling to negotiate salaries in an email is just not working because we're all insecure and there we're like, we need a job, we need to pay. And I think that the, the general idea of a union in general, if this one's a good one or not, or how they're doing it, I think it's tough, but that would technically be the the end goal. Also, the goal is for people to, I think, be in, in contracts and not freelance, make contract work more attractive than freelance work, uh, which is hard in our industry, I think, because of the nature of everything. But just to give it to an example, I've worked, and this is me, like I've had the struggles in the last two years of, I don't know, been finally lucky or whatever, things are falling in place for me work-wise. Um, in the last two years, I've increased my salary going from TV to feature. And then in my last job, asking for a ridiculous amount of money because I didn't need it. And then actually getting that amount of money. Oh, yes, um, I, I increased my salary by 20K in like two years. Oh my God, that's like my entire salary. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Wow. Like, it's... And I'm just realizing there's so many people around me that earn that money for like a while already. And I'm like, what? You guys have been doing this for years. Like, and then there's the other side of this, right? Where people are struggling and they're with the 20K. I know a lot of them as well, like sellers. And you're like, oh, this needs some regulation somehow because it's insane. I mean, congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, we all got to email you after this. It's going to be inundated with messages. In my head, I'm like, this is making up for the years I've been underpaid and, like, yes. you know. <laughs> well, I think that is the shock, though, isn't it? I've, I've experienced that myself where suddenly I was working with a junior who I realized, well, 
junior to me anyway, I realized that she was getting paid a hundred pounds more than I was a day. And I was like, what? Oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> and you know, we just hadn't had a conversation about it and it just kind of happened. And then suddenly, yeah, it was very sad. Aww. And to then immediately increase my day rate. But you know, just being open about those things, I think is so helpful. Yeah, well, at least, yeah, exactly. At least you could then be like, right, great. I've got a data point. I'm going to use it. I'm going to get this changed now. <laughs> like, that's why we have to talk. This is why we need these surveys. I think I think for people who are nervous to ask for more, it's always good to do it with a studio you've never worked for before. And when they ask you for the first time, you just put a rate that you sort of would love to have, and just see what you know mm. happens. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a good tip. Yeah. But how about you, Catherine? What did you think of the findings in general? As someone who's sort of taking people on to work with, did they feel real? <laughs> I mean, I just think there are huge variances, really. Um, and I don't know, I I would love to see more nuances within the, the breakdowns, really. So senior, the senior roles, for example, I feel, you know, does that encompass sort of, I know in the survey you mentioned, I think there are 15 directors that res- out of the res- 171 respondents. And, you know, are their salaries or day rates um, skewing perhaps the senior position um, results um, so it'd be interesting to have uh, you know more of a breakdown between the different roles as well and also the different industries as well because obviously as, as we can see in all you know the surveys and the animation and visual effects rate cards there's you know there are just such wide varieties of um, you know of, of scopes really so yeah I think it'd be really interesting to, to sort of drill down on that a little bit more but I mean, I'm I'm always sort of comparing against things like that. Well, it's more the sort of commercial um, aspects and agency um, rates. And you know, I think it's really useful to compare to sites like If You Could Jobs and just do sort of just general wider creative industry benchmarks as well, um, just to keep a just to keep your finger on the pulse of you know industry standards as well. That makes sense. Yes, less big. Stop being so isolated in animation. What is all, especially for like commercial animation, there's like a lot of advertising in general. What are people getting paid? Like TV series, what are people like? It'd be yeah, to try and get a sort of broader idea of what makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think um, the thing that Mackie mentioned as well about, you know, when you're first, um, you know, talking to a new client or a new studio, um, you know, that's the moment to sort of to test the waters, isn't it? It's so much harder to go back on existing clients where your day rate might be slightly lower. You know, it's much harder to then renegotiate. You're perhaps not in that position of power to then say, well, actually, here's why I'm justifying my £100 increase or whatever it is. Um, So there's that school of thought that you change your rates one client at a time and and just push it all the time and see where the, the ceiling is. And I think if studios keep coming back to you, they really like your work, you know, and they will pay beyond to know that they've got someone that they can trust and that they can, you know, nurture to become better as well. So it's not just about getting the top people or pay them the top money. It's I can see something in this person and I want to be fair to this person. And you should be able to see that that's why they keep coming back to you. You know, um, they want you to be part of their team. So that's a really good time to even say, I'm thinking of putting my rate up to this. Would that be would that work with your budget? 
and that's a really nice way to say it it's like you're not saying this is this is you know I'm adding 100 quid you're saying could this work for you and they make and and they might come back and negotiate a bit but you'll still be better off and you know there we are um I think always ask always ask no one's going to be offended it's not their money they're spending do you know what I mean it's like so no one's gonna no one's gonna shout you down I wouldn't have thought I think that's so important because it is it's a relationship isn't it you're building these relationships with studios with producers and and hopefully they trust you and you trust them and you can sort of I think yeah be reasonable rather than an ultimation of this is my due rate take it like that's you know you have to have a conversation about those things um and whether they can do it or not you know it's um it's up to that budget but but yeah it's good to start chatting about it um any other general thoughts about the salary report who is on 700 pound a day Annoyingly, this was anonymous. I love this person. I think some um, some designers, designers sometimes get that. I want to meet her. I want to be her best friend. (laughs) In America, you get quite high rates as well. I think they have the five, six, seven hundreds. I mean, they need it, right? Because their system is different there. But yeah, they're paying for for to to live like to live in a different way than we are. I think. Yes. Healthcare. Oh gosh, yeah. but yeah, I, I would like to know who's getting £700 a day and ask them to... Maybe it was paid for the job and this person finished in one day. <laughs> <laughs> or overtime rate, maybe. Maybe it was like a double time rate or something. Yeah, because that's something that I think people should be encouraged to do, actually. And I I try, if I can, in my budget to cover that if there's if if there's time you can pay time and a half or something if people are asked and another thing that I really want to encourage animators to do is turn off your computers at the end of the day like only work beyond the hours that you're paid to work unless you're asked to do extra work I I really try to do that on my projects it's like guys it's half six we've been doing this for a long time let's you know let's all come back tomorrow so that is something that I again it's about feeling valued you shouldn't be over giving for the rate that you're being paid yeah I mean that is so important because that that essentially diminishes your rate if you stay and work an extra couple of hours then you're 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 changing your day rate and also you're changing the perceived budget for the producer for the next one like oh we managed to do it in this amount of time so same again and then you're doing that like overtime that you're not telling anyone about um which can have a negative effect but yeah, people, turn off your computers. Turn off your computers, absolutely. Um, so yes, our recommendations. I'm just gonna, oh, I'll go through them one by one and then we can chat about them. So yeah, from the salary report, um, we have three recommendations. One being to repeat the survey for the next couple of years to gain a larger sample size for the review of the salary scales and the trends of salary scales for the animation professionals in the UK. This will allow us to create a more in-depth analysis. And I think that's what you guys were talking about a bit earlier, sort of we can be more specific about the sectors and like within that, the um, seniority within the sectors and kind of like you were saying, Catherine, sort of split up into more specifics, you know, directors and things. Because I think we we were getting so few numbers for like directors and like heads of department that we had to like kind of gather it a bit to be like, well, this is these people. 
um, which is a bit more challenging. I wonder as well whether, um, and this this might be too, I don't know, divisive maybe or too provocative, but I'd be really curious to know the breakdown in sort of roles and career progression and the gender split as well just to see what you know that sort of fall off and it kind of harks back to the conversation we had you know the aging and animation debate that she drew that um, hosted which was fascinating and I think you know they all kind of weave in all of these little threads weave into the the overall picture don't they so would there be scope to to sort of reveal more under the under the layers a little bit yeah, I think the only thing for this one was that because we because the sample size again was so small that the gender didn't really have an impact on anything. I think that's the thing. If we get a bigger sample size, then we can definitely start to like do the nuances there. Um, even age ranges and these things, I think, will be like um, much more helpful. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, too few people. <laughs> um, so next time, next time, definitely. Will you always do it outside the union as well, or would you team up with them eventually? I mean, I would be interested to talk to them about it. I think it's because I think obviously they have like, I think a few thousand people are part of their union so far. So, I mean, having a few thousand people filling in this form would be incredible. Um, I don't know. Do we have any idea what their sample size was for the rate cards? Because if we're all saying like, oh, that didn't make sense and that looked like it was very London. What was that? Like, did they get more than you or... Do we know? I don't remember. I know there was some thing that was sent out and that we kind of based our answers on this general thing. Like, do we agree with this? But I don't remember how many they had. Or I mean, I know they're very successful union for live action. Like they've done incredible things for like ADs, for cameraman, for all this stuff. Like they all have quite regulated um, incomes now. You know, unions are super important. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. I definitely do not want to take away from unions. Like, I think it's just like trying to rally people, enough people to join a union that it would make an impact. I mean, it did help make a big like impact for um, in three D, wasn't it? That there was something. Yeah, when the pandemic hit, a company that. Can I name companies? Because I'm actually very good point. <laughs> Skip that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I just know that I think 700 people or something joined the union when that happened. Me also. I wasn't even there. I wasn't effective. I was like, oh man, this could be me. <laughs> and then if you join too late, then they're like, well, sorry, you already have a problem. <laughs> you know, like ideally, like with an insurance, you should be there before you then have the problem because then they're like, well, then everybody just comes to us and gets free legal advice and whatever, you know, or cheap. So yeah, I think that was quite helpful for people, the union. I think they actually had some success there. I think that if they were asked to, wait, pay, still pay five days, but get only four days of salary. Oh, wow. So just basically work oh. a day for free every week, <laughs> rather than saying, okay, we only pay you four days and you only work four days. And obviously people were not okay with that because <laughs> a lot of stuff happened, yeah, in the pandemic, you know, and, and then there was this whole, like, why are the shareholders not paying for this? Like, why do we, da, 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 da. The budget shouldn't have been affected because it was already there, right? So what? There was a whole thing. But yeah, I wasn't there, so I only know from here. So. Okay, mm. well, chalk that to hearsay, but <laughs> if we could get a union of people in, that'd be grand. Um, so recommendation, oh, unless anyone had any other thoughts on? Um, just about the age, 
and the pay in animation. It's one of those jobs that just because you've been in the industry for a long time, your rate doesn't go up. You know, like as a lead animator, your rate sort of is a lead animator rate. And then people sort of catch up with you. So you could be, you know, someone in their 30s could be paid the same as me because we're doing the same job. It doesn't really matter how long I think you're in the industry for. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially if you, because you could be in the industry for 12 years in a cleanup role and you won't be the same as, you know, maybe someone who's been in the industry for three years working as an animator. So I think, yeah, sort of uh, years of experience frustratingly have less impact than that seniority. Yeah, I think in animation it sort of starts to blend, doesn't it? Everyone sort of catch up, catches up in your role and then we're sort of equal again, I think. Unless you sort of jump to a director or a lead animator and then you're a bit higher and then you know people catch up again. Yeah, there's only so many layers <laughs> that you can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you don't necessarily get paid more as a director either. You know, a, a lot of the time your lead animators are the ones who are earning the most money you know on a daily basis let's say and that your director I mean it depends in different studios but your director might get a percentage of the budget or a sort of lower day rate because they're not as hands-on and they could maybe take on another project as well so that I think that often happens is that people become directors and they go what but I was earning that as you know years ago yeah it's 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 See, all these things should be talked about more because people have these expectations that can't, just can't be fulfilled, unfortunately. You know, it'd be amazing if you got paid 40 grand a job, but it just doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, well, well, it doesn't work that way. Um, so, yeah, I just think that a director's seen at the top of the pile, for sure, but not necessarily financially when you're breaking down a budget. I suppose the only exception might be in, say, agency or agencies where you've got creative directors, art directors in a salaried right. role, where I think there's a there's a big gap between perhaps, you know, the pays of, you know, the implementers, the practitioners, the, you know, the the hands-on role. As I'm not saying that directors isn't a hands-on role as well, but I think in those sort of scenarios, I think there are just lots of different nuances, aren't there, in different um, um, sectors, different aspects within the industry, I guess. But yeah, it's so fascinating. I think that's I think that's, you know, one of the aspects that I I was most surprised about with all the you know with this survey anyway that just the range of scopes um, is incredible. Yeah, it's quite surprisingly diverse. <laughs> yeah, again, I think small sample size has has not helped us in that regard. But next time, um, okay. So recommendation two. Uh, Actually, this is kind of what we're talking about. Um, clearer links between pay and the responsibility within a role may reduce the range of pay rates offered to professionals in the animation industry. Um, did anyone have any thoughts on that? I think that's kind of what we've been saying, especially within the sort of um, senior roles, how those numbers kind of become a bit all over the place. It feels like there's not enough... Well, from my opinion, it feels like there's not enough of an idea about what, you know, see what the difference between a senior role is, a lead role, a supervisor, like that kind of feels like it gets a little messy. And then that messiness means you're not sure how much to charge. You know, I don't know if anyone's experienced that. It's difficult in TV animation because one 
one studio's lead might be another studio's mid, you know? Like, the it totally depends on style. We haven't even mentioned style, have we? Because that can really affect things as well without us knowing or choosing it. Like, it's there, though. Yeah, I've been a senior for a million years, it feels like, and I'm never going <laughs> to get higher. Like, how can I be higher than a senior, really? And that word confuses me. Um, it's hard when, if you are fulfilling the responsibilities of a senior without the title and without the pay, that becomes a problem, isn't it? And it's sort of, unless, well, from my perspective, unless we sort of clarify in each sector what these roles mean, can only people be paid properly because then you know they know they're doing certain um like jobs within a project and be like well i'm doing these things so i should be paid you know x amount of money but yes so hopefully that's something that we can sort of expand on as as time goes on like what the responsibilities are for each um each layer but again so many different sectors within that to try and figure out on responsibilities, I just remembered something just as a completely different concept. I did work somewhere three, four years ago where we all got paid the same day rate, uh, which was just to go with the guidance card, it was 260. Um, and uh, let's say we were 10 animators or something. And I think the supervisor and the intern got different amounts. So supervisor more, intern got less because they basically said, we are hiring you as a mid. So you're going to fulfill your responsibility at doing mid shots and you're doing that perfectly fine. So why should the senior who does the senior shots get more, like, you know, get more, like you're doing what we hired you for and you're doing that as good as we want you to do it basically. And I liked it because I was always on the side of getting paid less than people, but I could also understand how maybe some seniors were a bit like, mm. so that's like a whole other concept, but the vibe was pretty good. Just gonna say it. <laughs> Love that. I mean, that does seem pretty chill, like that kind of equality. I, yeah, I. It's very modern thinking, like very, whoa, yeah. okay. It's very anti British. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that wouldn't really work here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, that's a really interesting concept. We're so stuck in our systems, aren't we? We're like, I'm a senior, so I should be better than you. But like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, we're working on the same We're working eight hours a day, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, um, do, do you know of anybody who has sort of variable day rates depending on like the projects that... Are presented to them i mean is that melissa i don't know if do you have sort of people that come to you and say actually what's tell me more about the project before i tell you my yeah absolutely or... absolutely and you know if we've got charity projects a lot of people are really good at reducing down their rates or um i've recently been working on a music video and i've said oh it's a music video budget can you and and people do sort of meet you halfway and so i think that there's and I think this is the right expectation. And this is, you know, something that maybe the union should do is say, you know, your normal daily rate should be this or your average daily rate should be this. However, you may get asked to vary on that based on the project. So there was a line on the union one where it said, you know, this should be your starting point, like, and you should aim to go higher. 
and and again that I was like oh god how am I gonna how am I gonna get anyone to work on a project it's just not you know it's just not gonna work if 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 that is the base rate that people should be asking for so yeah to answer you, your your question Catherine I think people do have expectations internally of what they will be willing to work for for different types of projects I mean I suppose Hannah and Danny and Mackie can answer that as well but um that's my findings when speaking to freelance. Yeah, I definitely think as freelancing, it's like you do have, you'll have like a big job potentially, and then you'll have bit pockets of time where you're not got booked onto anything. So if a charity project comes along, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's not, it doesn't have a huge impact on my sort of total earnings of the year. And it looks really cool. <laughs> I don't know about... Yeah, they're the nicest, right? <laughs> yeah, they're always so much fun. I don't know if, um, Mackie, has that been your experience? Yeah, I think there's a few studios who pay much more because they do really high-budget adverts and stuff. And for them, I always ask, like, a higher rate, and I always get it. But then there's other studios who just does really, really nice, you know, really fun, illustrative animation, and their budgets are always so low... But I think it's it's just really nice to work on them sometimes, you know, if if I can afford it and it's totally fine and it's fun. And I think those sort of smaller studios, they sort of win the project because their budgets are smaller. And then they've got like a few animators that they can sort of rely on because they really enjoy working with them and they do, they do treat you really, really well. So they sort of, you know, if they treat you well, you want to go back and work for them. So, yeah. I've got a few animation studios like that. And and also, you know that if they get the high, higher budget job in, they're not going to be asking you to reduce your rate down, you know, because you, you've done so many favours for them that you'll always be top of the list to be contacted. Yeah, and I think it's like, especially like companies that are starting out that you really like, you want to kind of invest in them and be like, you know, with sort of, and then like you say, when they get their big, like big break in a big job, you'll be there for that like same budget as well and I think that's really that can be a really nice uh, relationship if you can of course afford to be doing that but yeah Danny Alina is that similar for you guys I've had no two back-to-back that are the same my rates are all over the place um I always try and negotiate I really like it um but I can be in I've worked in a studio where they've had multiple projects on and we're all on different one based on like whichever project so sometimes like caliber of studio doesn't seem to bump me up (laughs) either (laughs) so yeah it's so interesting like yeah I can't I I that's I think that's why my average is 21k a year and I'm nearly 40 (laughs) like it ain't right but there's just Nothing I can seem to do that gets me um, climbing year on year or, or project by project. Like I'm, I'm always back down to something that they deem a bit more normal. If I've had like a, a good job on, I'm like, oh, that could be my new normal. But it's like, no, girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, no, this is for, no, I'm not going to say a channel. But like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then I, I don't know if it's my, that is that a me problem? Like maybe I should... Um, stop taking projects on or something the, the 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 wording from the rate card like they have a union rate card just seemed to be like oh you need to send a message though and i'm like oh at what point do i say absolutely not there's like a line i won't fall below uh, that I haven't I, I haven't had i feel i haven't felt like i've had to do that for a while like at least i've hit in something that keeps me alive and i'm i'm okay like i'm 
I negotiate, so I'm always like asking for a little bit more and getting that little bit more. And then that makes me feel good. And then I, you know, I square it in my head. I make sure I'm like, okay, if this is going to be an absolutely beautiful project and I love the people I'm working for and I love my job, blah, 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 and they let me be remote or something else makes it a bit sweet, then I can be like, I have agreed to accept this and I'm okay with it. And then on other times, I just think that it can feel... Because like you said right at the beginning, it's tied to feelings so much, isn't it? Like so much of our work, like it can feel a bit insulting. And I just think, oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, and I won't. <laughs> so maybe, and then I don't, and I'm like, oh dear. And now I'm in trouble. And then something else will come along that's even lower, and I'm like, okay, I'm desperate. Like, <laughs> it's all over the place, all over the place. And that that thing, of, I can't remember who said it, but like the, the TV having longer contracts, is therefore feeling a bit more stable. I don't feel stable. <laughs> like, <laughs> it can all end tomorrow. <laughs> I do feel like I've always thought that that was the um, the reasoning for the lower rates with um, that's what they say TV. Yeah. But um, everyone I know who's um, stopped doing TV was like, "Oh wow, I can actually have quite consistent commercial work." That means my rate like goes up. But again, like maybe that's you know they left it specific time like I think a couple of years ago 2D commercial just like skyrocketed so there was a period of consistent work which meant that you could get a high day rate quite consistently but then now I think it's like dipping again for commercials so then that means those people who jumped shit for TV may may be better off now if they'd stayed to like for the longevity so yeah I think it's really hard to figure out what most appropriate thing to do is but yeah, anything, anything anyone else wants to say about responsibilities? No? Okay, let's jump on to the last one then. Um, so our final recommendation is more explicit career progression pathways, especially within senior roles, would help to clarify the pay structure in the animation industry. So I think I actually was talking about that on the previous one. So yes. covered. <laughs> um, I don't know whether anyone else has any thoughts on that just 100% agree like where do you go from senior if 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 there's only you only need so many leads so but there's a whole bunch of us that are seniors now but we're all various levels of experience like years in service doesn't seem to mean more money anymore or better role or a better job title it just it's weird I'd love I'd love it to be broken down like senior one senior two or something I don't know because <laughs> I feel senior okay <laughs> this is going to be a really dense next report just like and then senior 56 means this and... but I think that's I think that's the same situation in live action as well so we're talking about the, the sort of back to rate card which you, you, you have to stick to basically unless you you know beg and plead for people to do stuff um but it feels a little bit more clear-cut in live action um, I don't know if I'm just saying that because I haven't done much live action, but it feels like the parameters, yeah, are a bit a bit smaller in 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 the differentiation. So I I don't know. I think I think the only way that we can do this, and the only way that we can get it out in the open in the animation industry, is that people talk about the rates that they're being paid with each other, and that animators are more transparent themselves and that is maybe a secret a, a private conversation while you're having a cup of tea do you know what I mean it doesn't 
because I, I, I am totally for unions, 100%, but I just don't know how you, like you say, make senior 56 and senior 57. What's the difference? It depends on the project. It depends how many people are working on it. It depends with a lead, how many people they're leading. It depends on your job previously, whether you feel like you're doing more than you did last time and what you're being paid for. it. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be difficult to kind of set those boundaries in animation annoyingly <laughs> sorry no I'm, no i mean i i couldn't agree more it's it's like having going through this report it's it's so nuanced like you know you sort of i was like oh they'll be we'll get this response in like for design and then it's like you know backgrounds painting like all, all of the layers and you're like okay these are all different numbers again what is that and it's like you know you need a team of a thousand people just to like get through all of those like little details to be able to give people accurate responses and yeah it would be I think just way too complicated but I think yeah you're right being actually able to talk to people um and you know open up that conversation I mean that's the only reason that I've personally ever changed my day rate is because I've had a conversation with someone and they're like you know you should be charging this much like oh yes I did know that I I was just actually just about to up my rate surprisingly so thank you yeah I think it's so important to talk to you know like friends who are doing similar rules and just make sure you talk about it and if you're working if you get an email from a studio you've never worked for before you can always ask another animator that's worked there to ask them what they're paid so you have like an idea of you know what to reply to them and um i just remember this one time i was working with this guy like a, you know he's been in the industry longer than me and he's so good and he came up to me and he said oh the producer just told me that you guys are all paid more than me like the producer actually told him that you need to up your rate, which I thought was amazing. But um, yeah, it's like you just don't know who doesn't know what everyone is supposed to be paid, you know. I also think that um, people who've been working for longer currently, like there was a period where day like day rates totally stagnated and like it, like not moving. So if younger people are coming up and getting paid. Yeah, asking for they more. Can just over, Though, yeah. like, I imagine he would <laughs> have just true. been sticking with this rate that he's been doing for so long, not realizing, oh, maybe I should, you know, up this. And then, yeah, I think it's yeah, so vital to chat about chat with people around you. I think as well for sort of the salaried positions. You know, there seems to be this tendency where people state the the salary for junior roles, and it, and companies, it's very open that they, you know, this is the salary range. But then it's, it creeps into the sort of mid and senior levels and it's dependent on experience or it's undisclosed. And I think, you know, there's certainly a, an onus on companies as well to be a little bit more transparent, in, even if it's within a range of, um, just because it just gives people a benchmark, doesn't it? And, um, you know, it gives that sort of guidance. I, I always want to like fire back a really snarky like oh so it's not dependent on experience then like <laughs> when, when they come at me with a day rate I'm like you haven't written it and I've asked for this because I'm this experienced and then you're saying no this so I'm like so you lied <laughs> what does it mean what does it mean dependent on experience like your experience or my experience <laughs> <laughs> I think you should make a little gif of that and we can all send that out in response if if, if we ever get those those emails um 
but yeah, I think, yeah, transparency is so important. And um, yeah, because I mean, you just have no clue otherwise. You're just sort of stabbing in the dark and, and going, is this a salary for that position? I don't know. But I think that's the same for all freelancers, though. Like, I, I think none of us really know. Like, you go into it and go, what? I can earn I can earn that much a day. And then you sort of get your calculator out and work out what that could be as a salary. And you're like, oh, that's amazing. But then you need to step back and go, I'm not going to be working full time. I'm not going to be paid for sick days. You know, all of these things you have to bear in mind. So I think maybe when when we're more junior, we kind of can't believe our luck. And then as you as you get older and get more experience, you're trying to catch up with that. You're trying to catch up with yourself that you were maybe undervaluing yourself at the beginning anyway yeah but I guess at the beginning you just feel gosh darn lucky that you've got a job <laughs> too right of you're like, you pay me something and you, and, and you yeah. are you are though you know it's like it's it's an industry where you are we are lucky to be in the industry you know so so you kind of do feel grateful but then you have to go right okay no this is my life now you know this is what I need to earn to survive Oh, just felt suddenly very tense. This is what I need to earn to survive. Do I keep saying that um, to you, Hannah? It seems to me when I stop talking, you're like, oh God, oh no. <laughs> no, no, you're just making me really think about it and then I and then I start feeling tense. Sorry about that. Me having deep thought just generally makes me feel quite <laughs> tense. Um yeah, should we jump on to points of discussion? Um so yeah the first thing that we thought was interesting that'd be great to talk about is location. Location was included in the questionnaire however it became clear that the physical location of respondents didn't necessarily reflect the location of their work. This leads us to question whether location is no longer relevant to the discussion of salaries or whether it's the location of the work rather than the person. Within the comments we found that some also work for US companies which enable them to charge a different rate. We felt that this helped clarify the importance of location of work rather than the physical location when reflecting on the salaries of UK animation industry. So yeah, what were you guys thinking about that? Because I feel like I've heard a lot about, like, for instance, people who solely work for US companies earning so much money, it makes me want to cry. Um, and then, you know, like you are saying, Danny, about, you know, is it just a London thing getting paid these things or... Yeah, I don't know. Has anyone had any thoughts about whether location is relevant? It's got to be, hasn't it? Because if you live in London, it's very relevant. Because <laughs> this is why I don't work or live in London, because the rents. <laughs> How? How do you pay those rents? So it's got to be relevant. I think it's location of the work. So not where you live but you know like when I work for companies outside London their rates are much lower and they would never pay London rates for me and you know like the budget isn't that big I don't think but yeah in London I guess it's just much higher in commercial anyway it is and yeah US it's also higher because their industry is much more you know rich and their budgets are higher and I sometimes work for Japanese companies and their rates are really, really low. It's much lower than the UK. Again, you know, it's because their budgets are so low. So, Mackie, do you live in London? Yeah. So if so, do you take on those roles then that are um, not going to pay your rent? Um, if it's a nice project and if I can afford it, 
I do. And, you know, like the Japanese company, they're my friends and, you know, I love what they do. So if I get a chance, it's always nice to work for them. But you then top I can, it up I can never work on it. <laughs> I can never work if it's like a two months, three months job on that rate. But if it's, you know, just like a couple of weeks or something, it's, it's fine. Yeah, how about you, Alina? I know that you sort of moved, actually physically moved around as well. So I guess location in that sense becomes very important. Yeah, location was very important. Yeah, I had to move around a lot because there was not much feature work in London, feature film work. So um, I did do that. I I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I think pre-pandemic, it was always like, well, this is how much rent I have to pay in the city and da da da. So this is what I need to live here. It wasn't really a question for me anyways. I was like, this is just how it works. And now with the whole remote work, all of that is a bit, I think, yeah. I think the tendency is to just say, like what Marky just said, if I can afford it and I like the project and you know it's fine, I'll I'll take lower rates. But yeah, I think it should be where the work is should be what the pays because technically back then they would calculate the budget on well we're doing this in London so we're going to have to pay London artists obviously companies can be cheeky now and say oh we're going to hire people in I don't know other cities who will work for lower rates which I guess is a concept that exists already (laughs) Um, I'm just realizing what I'm saying and it's being done quite a lot so uh, yeah it's a tricky one but no I, I know a few like studios that have started using um, people from abroad when they wouldn't otherwise and and I think that's you know the great thing about remote work um, and something that's really positive that's come out of the pandemic but I also would be really curious what rates they are paying those people as in like you know because also on balance I mean is it yeah should your rate be based on where you physically live or where the project physically lives if that makes sense. <laughs> so I, I moved out to Spain at the beginning of the pandemic and it it has not made a difference at all. I mean, I'm amazed. If I, if I moved out here thinking that I wouldn't be able to carry on working in the industry, but because of the pandemic, I have, because studios are now like, well, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, and I would say that we are also probably casting our net wider on crew to include Europe. Um, and and a bit further afield, but it's kind of like if if it's within Europe, time timing wise, it kind of works with the production. So I I would actually say that the rates are paid on where the project is rather than where the people are from. In in my experience, they've got to set the budget somewhere, haven't they? You've got to start somewhere. Yeah, you've got to work with what you what you're expecting and. I would say that mo- you know the majority of the crew is still UK based, probably London based, because it's people that we knew when we were all working in studios. So you know you go back to the same people that you were working with. But yeah, the the net is definitely further afield, and it's and I think that if someone said, "Oh, I'm based in Leeds or Manchester," it'd be like, oh, "Okay, fine." It doesn't it doesn't matter anymore, you know, and and we'll still pay you the rate that we're paying the person who is you know down the road also and I might be sort of kicking myself in the is is that now studios a lot of them they're producing remotely they don't have they don't have to pay for for studio space anymore um places where I've 
worked in freelance for do they still have an office to run and they still have overheads and they have permanent members of staff but a lot of them have popped up um during the pandemic there's lots of new studios and they don't have overheads everyone works remotely so that should you know work out better for the animator because they're paying for their own license they're paying for their own computer they're paying for so all of these things you know are are things to bear in mind when you're setting your rate you know you're now having to cover licenses maybe you have to get special plugins or something for the project you know that's stuff that you should be passing on i would say yeah that makes a lot of sense and yeah really good to consider because i think um yeah, just the just the the fact that stu- I think also as well, like I mean, for directors, I know that oh well, some directors, some studios charge like take off a certain fee to do certain things for their studio. But if they no longer have a physical space, that fee could also be smaller. Like, like sort of extrapolating what you've said to that. But I mean, so it's like good to start questioning all these different numbers that once were true, maybe now could be amended slightly. But yeah, so yeah, good to know that you guys also agree that um, it's the location of the project that we should be thinking about. Because I've always like thought with the US rates as well, I've always been like, oh, is it cheeky that I would charge a rate for the US when I'm living here? So my living cost is different. Is that unfair to them somehow? Enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Just take that lovely money. I have to say I caught myself a year ago where someone was not working in London and you know you have these salary conversations and one of the downsides of that is that you know what everyone's on and you realize you're maybe on less and then you're all of a sudden frustrated with your job which you weren't before or whatever so not to say don't talk about it but sometimes you're just like oh man I wish I didn't ask but anyways I found out someone was like on more than me in a different not expensive city and I was like that is so unfair and then I had to check myself I was like no okay no if I was there that would be cool like it's I think I agree with that but it's very new to kind of like I don't know you know, not think about location when it's about the salary. There's a, 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 a sort of thought leader um, in the creative industries called Blair Enns, and he talks quite a lot about this, about fairness being so subjective, because there are always going to be clients that are prepared to pay tenfold what another client will pay. I mean, it's all, you know, you've got to make, you've got to do it on a, a an individual basis, haven't you? And um, I think, you know, in, in the same way, you know, in as much as it's where the project might be uh, based, it's also the scope of the project and and the client that's you know involved as well. So yeah, when you get some of that big McDonald's money, then you should everyone should increase their rates, right? <laughs> okay, great. Well, let's jump on to the next one then. So uh, we've got um, from the analysis, we see that there's a stronger correlation to pay increase when it comes to seniority over years of experience. This leads us to believe it's important to not base a salary consideration on years of experience alone, but also experience of the variety, type of roles, nature, size of responsibility, and the specific sector of the industry in which they work. Um, I think we've sort of touched on that a bit earlier as well, um, that years of experience kind of have less less relevance now. But yeah, is there anything that anyone wanted to um, expand on in that? Or do you think it's been covered? I think it's been covered, but I think this whole like years of experience always frustrated me that it didn't matter. 
And also what I've seen happen a lot, this is a little bit off topic, but I felt like if I didn't have a big name in my CV, automatically I was worth less. Like you're not as experienced, you've not worked on something that I can recognize instantly from your CV, so you're gonna get paid less as well, which I think doesn't have to say much. I don't think anyone's checked my CV in ages. <laughs> I don't know. No one's asked You're for my real, CV. Maybe? I can't remember the last one. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, real. Yeah, that's true. But you're so established, though, aren't you, Mackie? Like, you're, you're like, Just we know Mackie. Ages. We know Mackie. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. I think a lot of it's based on relationships that you make through the through the years um, in animation. It's quite a small, and and I am talking about commercials and commercial industry, I suppose. But it's quite a small kind of community where we all kind of know each other, or someone's worked with somebody and someone works with somebody else. So, yeah, maybe in the maybe in the sort of film industry, it's different, Alina. I don't know. Do you think there's just so many more people that 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 because well, in my head, it's like you're all there's like fifty of you working in a room, kind of in a dark room making films. Yeah, exactly. Um, but do you think do you think that might be why there's more sort of judgment on the um, project? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It still feels small to me. Um, the visual effects. I've done visual effects only for like a year, but the animation. I feel like I know still lots of people, and then I meet someone like, oh yeah, we know the same person. It still feels small. But yeah, I guess it's it, everything happens still on a bigger scale, mostly. I mean, you just, it's just, I mean, the last film I worked on, we were 100 animators. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> well, Do you remember everyone's name? I knew. <laughs> colleagues. Just the five around her, and that's the most important. Yeah. The five in my room, that's it. <laughs> Actually, I do remember when I first started working, I remember like where I worked, which studio I worked for was like my CV. So no one wanted to try me out until another studio tried, it, tried me out and I, I was okay, sort of thing. So, yeah. And then you start getting work, I think. It, it becomes a bit easier. Yeah, I feel like as soon as you've got one professional piece of work on your showreel you're suddenly like oh no you're you're an animator then fine whereas before it's like oh you're just a student <laughs> until you've got that one thing it always felt like that but but um yeah you just need that one person to take a chance on you okay so let's jump on to the next one then um uh, we've got the high percentage of respondents claiming to never receive overtime brings to question whether overtime is relevant within the context of our industry and whether more clarification is needed over what constitutes overtime. Within the comments, we found that some respondents' overtime was costed within an extension of the project. And by that, I think it, they were booked for two weeks and that's when the project was supposed to end, but clients came back and then amends were made so then they were booked for another week rather than that being considered and whether that's considered overtime or not. So, yeah, does anyone have anything to say about overtime, whether it's um, relevant or whether it's sort of unclear what constitutes overtime? So is that the definition of overtime? For me, overtime was always like if I stay two hours longer or work on the weekend and then I get paid 1.5 or something. That what you just said reminds me of the Life of Pi, Life After Pi documentary, if anyone knows. Super interesting. It's on YouTube. It's, you know, when Life of Pi was super successful and then the studio got 
bankrupt because of the film that was super successful. It's because that's what happened. They budgeted, this is what we give you for the budget, and then there were too many notes, and then the studio has to start paying out of their own bags for, for the notes to be done and to be extended. And then they went bankrupt, even though they just had such a super successful film. And that's the main issue of the visual effects industry is that the system is broken, that there are companies trying to underbid each other to get the project. And then the you know directors and clients are like, no, we want this and this and this. But not with more money, and that just reminded me. Of that. That's interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That's because I. Yeah, I for some reason always thought that was like a little pocket of money for extra overtime if if hundred percent necessary. I think there is. I think there is, but like then go over too much because the scope is so big of everything, and you need so many artists that I think they go over that quite a lot. It's a really great, heartbreaking documentary, Life After Pie. Should be on YouTube. And they underbid too much in the first place as well to win out of someone else. Yeah, but that's it's got the to, system. Got to impact. It's I know, ugh, I know. Broken, it's yeah. It's insane. I think maybe it, what would be good for like the next survey is to have a clarified idea of what overtime means. Because for me personally, overtime is, yeah, those extra two hours on a project rather than a project being extended because, because of changes. Um, and I've definitely been guilty of, you know, doing a sneaky few extra hours or working a weekend just to like, often for my own sort of sanity to be like, I just want to make this look good, um, which is, yeah, which always bites you in the ass in the end anyway. But, um, but yeah, does anyone else have any experience of overtime or like thoughts about that? I remember we used to get paid overtime, you know, like the producer would say, is it OK if you guys stay a bit longer? And then, you know, we would get an extra hourly rate after the time. But nowadays, I think none of the studios ever tell us to do overtime. But because, and I'm aware that, you know, there's a couple of producers here. But <laughs> um, but because, you know, you're asked, like, when, when are you going to finish your shots? And you say, oh, I'll finish in a couple of days. And when you sort of realize you're not going to finish in a couple of days, you feel like it's, you're either slow or, you know, you haven't done it quickly enough. So you sort of end up doing a couple of hours and you don't want to say, you know, you're not going to charge for it. It's just because you feel like, you know, you want to keep your, you know. A hundred percent. It's like you made the mistake. It's like I told you I, that was my mistake. So I'm, yeah, yeah, your job. You, yeah. Yeah. So you want to do that. And because if someone does it and they're posting their work on Slack at, you know, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., and you see it the next day and you think, oh, no, I finished at, you know, half six sharp and, you know, I could have done a bit more as well. And then, you know, I think it sort of adds to everyone's pressure. And I know the producer hasn't said anything, so it's like a pressure that we're putting on each other. But I think it happens to also younger animators or you know people who just started in the industry and they really want to prove themselves I think it could be quite stressful and I think some people also think that if they don't do that they if there's another job coming up and they are compared between two exactly the same skilled people and one were was always doing a little bit extra they're worried that they would take that you know person who does a little bit extra I think that's the sort of feeling I think freelancers have I think I think it shows the importance of the sort of culture of the of the commissioner doesn't it and the, you know how caring and nurturing they are for you know the the staff on that project at, the, at that given time I, whether it's to set ga- guidelines but I think 
I think it's always going to be that there's always going to be that sort of pressure when you're in effect selling your skills for time as opposed to say you know a studio that's selling on a project basis where you agreed the end you know delivery deadline and 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 then it's down to you obviously to, to work out the scheduling so I think that's always that's always a really tough thing for for freelancers on day rates I think isn't it and I think there's a really bad culture generally of people work. I mean, I, I absolutely want people to walk, to walk away at 6.30 or what, you know, whatever. I think there's a really bad culture across the board in studios, in agencies, in, you know, people emailing you at nine o'clock at night asking questions. It's like, I'm, I'm not answering you, I'm watching Netflix, you know. I think it's really important that well for me as a producer that I don't expect people to work on and I, I understand what you're saying Mackie sometimes you might do a bit more because you know you feel like you want to get to a place and all I would do is when if someone posts something at eight o'clock I'd be like please don't do this again like only, uh, do it if I you know I might ask you to do it and I appreciate if you would do an extra hour an extra couple of hours if we're hitting a deadline you know in reality I might not say I'll pay you I'll pay you overtime for those two hours, depending on the project. But if you're doing like a week, doing an extra two hours every night, I will absolutely pay you for that time. And I think, you know, you have to be a bit flexible. You know, if some if someone really needs you to do something for them and they ask you quite nicely, then maybe you do that and you build, again, that's about building relationships with the, with the people that you're working for. But if they start taking the mickey and the you know the expectations are too high, that's bad production. They have not looked at the workload and gone, these are the amount of people that we need, these are the calibre of people that we need. That is bad production and that shouldn't be on the animator to have to pick that up, I don't think. Actually, I think working from home has made it worse because people can just carry on working. Whereas when we were at the studio, everyone, you know, started to leave and you don't want to still be there when the cleaner comes in and you're still working, you know. So I think that sort of was a good thing. You know, people sort of finished relatively early when you were supposed to. I think it also helps. There's one studio that the director and the producer definitely tells us to stop working. And it's quite nice to be told that. And you're like, yay, we're allowed to stop working, you know, at six o'clock on the dot. And the director's like, just go, we're going to stop Slack and we're going to, you know, shut Slack anyway. So we're not going to respond to you. So just go. And everyone's like, yay. (laughs) So nice. So that's quite nice. I love the little celebration as well. Yes. We just turn off the computer, skip down to the living room (laughs) because we're all working at home. But yeah. I think that is one positive of TV animation production is that like if we're running over that is absorbed they've got a plan for that there's a contingency in place we don't need we we all stop at six o'clock that's the way it's done and there might be extensions at the end which which they always speak to you beforehand you can tell it's going to happen so you know like oh listen (laughs) this is not on time we're going to be two weeks late or something but that's a decision you can make then like you're either heading off somewhere else because you've sorted yourself out or you're like yeah I'm happy to carry on working and it's that is a, a positive I think yeah I, I actually got an email this week from someone that I'm um, starting a project with uh, he's a, a CG animator character animator and uh, he said oh I just want to make you aware of some things and he wrote about his overtime rate and he also wrote about cancellation days and I, and I thought my god that's fair enough like I've never seen that 
I've never seen that before. And, you know, that that sort of part of me, I was like, yeah, good on you. Good on you for, for doing that. You know, I was not offended by that at all. I just thought fair play, you know, and that's, set, that's setting boundaries. You can't put someone down for saying this is what I'm offering for my day, right? So you'll get this from me. And then if we go beyond this time, this is how much I'm being paid. So maybe that's something that people should start doing. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Love that. That's awesome. It's like there's um like I think there's loads of little bits like that that kind of people get get lost sometimes. Even like with invoices, some people have a you know, must be paid within this certain time frame and like all of these little notes of like, this is the expectation I have. Are you happy? Do you agree to meet that? And then you're just immediately, I feel like, set off on a foot of, okay, we both know what's happening here and we both agree to it. So great building those relationships so uh yeah let's jump on to um our second to last one we noticed that although 78 percent of respondents indicated that every year or a couple of years they increase their day rate 12 percent never increase their rate we thought it was important to underline this to establish the importance for people to review their rates annually yes please review your rates <laughs> um but yeah i don't know how you guys uh feel about that I think, um, yeah, it was interesting what was said earlier. Catherine, were you saying it's like approaching each new studio kind of, and then, you know, you can up your rate kind of that way and gradually increase? Well, no, no, I was just, I mean, I think, um, you know, it is it is all about the conversations, isn't it? And, and, you know, as Melissa said, building those relationships because ultimately you're speaking to another human and, you know, you've got to have those really good connections. Yeah, so I think whilst it's it's probably easier to have that fresh that fresh slate isn't it you know when you've got the you know someone who hasn't got the history with you and you can just try things out and just push it a little bit but I think certainly for sort of juniors and you know in our experience when you've got sort of graduates or people new to the industry you know there really isn't that sort of that grounding on how to negotiate and the fact that you can negotiate you know the fact that you can sort of say well you know this this is my ideal and 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 have a conversation about it so I think there's definitely in our experience here there's more that could be done you know with universities and education establishments just to kind of get that conversation going a little bit oh I couldn't agree more I think I, I was surprised by how many people responded um saying you know can I send this to my students can like is this available to be like shared and us and and equally, you know, people saying, I was never taught any of this when I was at university. I came out having no idea. And I feel like it really shocks me that that is not something that universities consider as something worth discussion or that they don't don't want to, don't have the resources to. I'm, I'm not sure, but they're not prepared to have that conversation with students, which is nuts because you're preparing them for the job market. Like that's the whole and that's a really big part of it getting paid just in my perspective but <laughs> maybe they would argue differently um yeah any other thoughts on that i've written lots of negotiation emails for other people loads it's always a group effort it's a group effort always because people really don't know and i i didn't know either for a long time and then i did some kind of like talk there was a talk about just negotiations for like women or whatever and it wasn't even animation but you know you still kind of get some tips and stuff like i think this is really something that should be taught in uni or wherever but it's worth looking into 
but then I know that sometimes you write like the best email you've ever written in your life and they still say no and then you're very deflated because <laughs> it's sometimes not just the negotiation, right? <laughs> I wonder if the 12% who said they never increase their rate are just because they're new to the industry. So that's skewing it. Yeah, I, did. I, I was thinking whether, because I just can't imagine there's anyone who's never like increased, as in like straight out of uni. But also, I mean, amazing. I hope that that person started on a really high day rate and has just been enjoying that for many, many years. <laughs> One thing I love uh, knowing about is um, there's a major studio over here in the West that um, gave everybody blanket, like a percentage um, pay rise for the cost of living crisis. And that really made me think like, yeah, brilliant. We can ask for more money because everything's shit now. <laughs> like it sort of gave me a little bit of permission to be like, yeah, okay, everything costs more. And if they're doing it, then you can do it, Abraham. Like <laughs> ask for a little bit more money. Yeah, it's definitely like the wider situation affects yeah. your situation. Yeah. So it's important to exactly. reflect on that. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, I think. I, um... I, I wish that we could do stuff like that. I wish that the budgets reflected that. Because unfortunately, with cost of living, people aren't spending as much, people aren't spending as much on advertising, budgets are being cut, you know. And I think it's really important, actually. Again, this is like one of my first responses from the the VFX survey was oh my god these are like you know on the national average they're not doing you know it's not too bad really and I do think that's not that's not the way we should go we should be pushing for more we should be pushing for more money from the top to come down to pay people properly 100% but the reality is that maybe the, the, the money just isn't in the industry at the moment to be able to pay people those rates you know, and that's what needs to change. It's the money in the industry from the top people. You know, we won't get onto kind of social stance about big business, but you know, it's like no, no, we've got time. You know, we, we, yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that, I could go, I could go off, but it's like absolutely, we should be able to say to people, we know you're being hit hard. Here's a little something else. You know, here's something that's fair, or not trying to negotiate rates down because we've got lower budgets. You know that would be a, a, a perfect situation to be in. But I don't know how realistic that is. If there's going to be a recession, if there's not going to be as much money going around in the pot, how do we how do we make that work as 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 the producers of the people who are having to pay people, how do we get that balance right? I don't know. I think that's really difficult. And we're not quite there yet, but I you know, I think that's gonna it's gonna hit the industry a bit. And I'm not sure what the outcome of that will be. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's, I mean, that's the thing that I think is interesting about the idea of like an annual increase of rate is, is, is that realistic, you know, because it depends on what's happening in the rest of the world at any given point, whether you can actually charge your top, like having, being flexible, having a sort of between this and this rate, like at least gives you the space to not be like brutally disappointed when someone's like, we just don't have anything like of that kind of money to give you right now so if that's your rate you know unfortunately no and I was just gonna say it's really difficult because it's like you know everyone's striking everyone's saying that the money that they're being paid is not equivalent to the you know the prices out, outside and so of course people should be paid enough that they can live and eat off but how do we do that if, if the money isn't there in the first place I don't I don't know 
how do we get that money? <laughs> All right, then. Well, let's jump on to our final discussion point. 86% of day rate respondents and 82% of annual salary respondents indicated they wish to receive a higher rate. Although there are significant numbers, it is expected. And from the tables, we see that only two thirds of the day rate respondents and only half of the annual respondents. So yes, yeah, so it becomes only 40% wanting a higher day rate. This sample is too small with too many variables to make any claim that there is evidence that overall people feel their rates are unfair for their level of experience. We're interested to know, like for future reports, whether we should include things like overtime and whether people believe their rates to be fair or whether people believe they should be getting a higher rate because I guess essentially, who doesn't want a higher rate? You know, and so so in, in terms of fairness, I don't know whether how we can judge that, but I don't know what if you guys have thoughts on that. I wonder whether there's any scope for also including other benefits besides the monetary. So, you know, I mean, it might be enhanced pension funds or, you know, some, you know, studios offering, you know, the, um, you know, private health care, private dental care, you know, other sort of just non-financial benefits, non-directly financial benefits. Um, and although that kind of takes a little bit off the, the, the point of the topic, they are still things that are enhancing your salaried experience um and it's obviously quite a split between say people on day rates than salaries obviously but yeah I just wonder how you know whether companies are offering more enticing packages rather than just purely the salary um and whether that makes any difference my my BFF does this brilliant thing where if the rate's low she will try and negotiate only working a four-day week <laughs> and I've had that idea planted in my head now. And I'm like, that is sweet. Like, I, I'll swap a free day for sure. Like, that that's not... I don't know if that you could call that a benefit, but like... Oh, totally. It's my end goal is to make so much money that I can just work four days, you know? Yeah. Because there's not that many um, studios that I come across that have, like, a package of benefits. Like, because we're fixed-term workers, probably, because... I still get like, I think I lectured for two days a million years ago and I still get teachers' pension emails and I'm like, I don't know what, why why you did that. Thank you, but no thanks. Like, So not many studios, uh, in my experience, have offered anything other than money, really. I've been, I guess, at quite a few studios that had like loads of perks. Um, like besides the, oh, free drinks on a Friday and the, I don't know, the breakfast, but then also the pension stuff and then some mental health numbers that you can call and, you know, uh, also kind of like perks, like vouchers and things for stuff. And, you know, you get the free, the eye test um, that they have to pay and stuff like this. But I think my experience, I like this stuff. I'm the kind of give me perks person um <laughs> uh, but i've noticed a lot of people were like i just want i don't want any of this just give me more money <laughs> so i think that's also very hard to generalize i think studios are trying you know and like trying to generate a culture as well like you know yeah we're gonna have prep parties we're gonna have this and some people are like i don't want to go to a party with my work colleagues just give me money so i think that's also hard to please everyone <laughs> yeah that is yeah the balance overall is incredibly tricky i was actually going to say um i have a friend also danny who they if they if their rates lowered they'll say oh actually i'll only i'll knock off an hour every day so they'll leave an hour earlier and then it's like you know that's just 
for me. And I was like, huh, I never even thought about doing that. It's like that for me would be a benefit just having like more of an evening, you know, great. No, I never thought this either. Blew my mind. I mean, as well, you could eat. I mean, there's a school of thought that actually if somebody has, um, you know, limited budgets, then negotiate on other terms like 50% payment up front or blah, blah, blah. You know, lots of other, you know, little points that can be to your benefit without it necessarily um always being financial which would be nice obviously um but um but if the yeah if the financial possibilities aren't there like improve your quality of life in some way i think that would be great but yeah any other sneaky tips you guys have got for people <laughs> animators just should, should say this is what i would like and see what happens you know don't be scared to ask for what you like People may say no, but you know, also you might get two out of the three things that you're you're requesting. Um, and going back on the perks, I think you know, I know, um, Alina, you're saying like, oh god, yeah, like drinks on a Friday. I think things like that are really important. You know, they they sort of <laughs> give me a beer. I'm happy. You know, and I, there's some um, studio that I'm working with, and they're doing lunches three days a week, and they're saying to people, look, we've got a fully heated studio. You don't have to pay your own heating bill. Come in and you know, and, and it'll help the team and it will, you know, help you guys out. And I think, again, you know, there's there's financial pressures for everyone, including these studios, but even these little things that they're kind of going, hey, you know, come in, we'll, we'll, I'll, you'll have a hot lunch waiting for you. Over over the, a project, you're saving quite a bit of money, you know. So I think things like that are lovely. <laughs> those little, those little it shouldn't be in lieu of, of, of being paid properly. But as a as a little little bonus to kind of keep you smiling, I think it's Oh yeah, I love all those little things. I, I worked for a company that they um every Friday they give everyone a beer and a packet of crisps. And I was just like, I love this. <laughs> I mean I love beer and crisps, so it really like plays to me, but I was just like, this is a really like sweet I don't know, I mean, yeah. Obviously again, pay everyone properly if you can, but like uh but beer and crisps as well. <laughs> also, Mel used to have amazing staff parties at your old company that um, were incredible. <laughs> so, so I think if you could bring that back, that would be Yeah, amazing. I think. But again, that was like quite low key as in budget wise. It was quite low key. But it was so much fun, wasn't it? Like we just had the best, best, best time. What is it? Uh, ice luge? We had a vodka luge, yeah. And then you kind of think, oh, God, if that was like post-COVID, no one should be doing that at all. But yeah, pre-COVID, no one cared. And uh, we all had the vodka luge. We had light-up dance floors. We had, yeah, all the fun. But, um, yeah, does anyone else have any any thoughts or, again... <laughs> any, any party ideas? ideas? Yeah. <laughs> any party <laughs> ideas? <laughs> Just to end on like a super positive with this topic, like um, I've never not made a deal and I've never gone into a job smarting, you know, like I wouldn't have said yes if I hadn't landed on something that internally made me like, okay, I can do it for this. And every studio I've ever approached in negotiating has always met me somewhere along that line between what they initially offered and then what I asked for. So Everyone should just get into the practice of doing it. I do like a lot of mentoring and I try and get my mentees to like have a little <laughs> email role play where they they write to me and say like my day rate is this and and full stop leave it there. Don't qualify it. Don't say like because the like whatever. Like because sometimes it's just about like the 
getting used to writing the words and sending it to someone. And even though they're just sending it to me, it gets them starting to think about that one day they will have to do that. Yeah, kind of taking the air out of like that. Oh God, yeah. are they gonna? And you're like, it's just words. And like Mel it's was saying, it's just words in an email to a person who is also a person, and it's just practicing that with me. Like, do it with me, and then go do it in the real world. <laughs> and everyone, like, you will land somewhere on that scale. I'm always happy. No, that's brilliant, and that's a brilliant note to end on. Um, thank you so much for that. And yeah, is there anything anyone else wanted to say? about the salary report or rates in general before we I love it thank you Hannah (laughs) (laughs) that was very kind of you (laughs) um no thank you guys so much for uh doing this I think this is um incredibly helpful and really great to sort of unpack some of these ideas and hopefully it will help a lot of people out there um but yeah thank you so much again and um I'm going to stop the recording now. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Aww. Thanks, Hannah. Well done, everyone. <laughs> a huge thank you to Catherine Pitt, Melissa Belgill, Danny Abram, Maki Yoshikura, and Alina Bopella for talking with us today. It was great to be able to discuss the report and hear from all these different perspectives. We really hope you found it interesting and helpful. We think being open about rates is so important to our industry. We look forward to carrying on the discussion online, either in the comments on our Instagram page or on our Slack. Please let us know if this report has been helpful and if you'd like us to do it annually. That is the last episode for this season of the She Do That podcast. I wanted to say a huge thank you to you, the audience, for listening. We really hope you've enjoyed this season and let us know what you'd like to hear more of in the next one. From everyone at She Do That, thank you for listening. <laughs>